um, St. Louis, New Jersey, Charlotte, North Carolina, Youngstown, Ohio, Austin, Texas. We've got Florida in the house, Coventry, UK, Toronto, Canada, Miami, Dallas, Texas. Um, we have people, if you guys can can pay very close attention to this, LA in the house, Spain in the house. We've got Europe represented here. We've got Africa represented here. We've got South Africa We've got South Africa represented here. We have Swaziland in the house. Good to see you, Swaziland. Um, we've got we've got all areas in the United States all participating in all areas all around the world who are engaging in this time as we spend it in the reading of the word. This is powerful, y'all, to see people from all around the world coming together to read the word, to read the scriptures. It is a powerful activity um, that we've got Canada, we've got Mexico, we've got the Bahamas, we've got you, you, we've got every corner of the United States, we've got South America um, in the house, we have Man, Venezuela, Kenya. I mean, look at the, you guys are all shooting it at me. There's people from all over. So I want you guys to understand that for some of you, you guys are reading. This is your morning read. You're coming in and you're waking up really, really early. I got people from the West Coast. I got people from L.A. Um, who are here who had to wake up really, really early to come. And so I'm glad that you're here. And so that may be your early morning routine. And yet there's some of you who this is your evening routine. You're going to sleep in the word. So it's amazing that we have people in different time zones and yet simultaneously we're coming together and reading scripture. And so that's powerful. That's an incredibly powerful endeavor. For those of you who have been with us from uh, early on, we committed to spending time in the reading of the word. We want to read through the totality of scripture. We want to read through the entire Bible. And what we're committing to do is we're committing to read the Bible one uh, one day at a time, just 20 or 30 minutes at a time, half a Netflix episode at a time. As well. So we have Haiti in the house. So it's so great to see you. Haiti's here as well. We got Jamaica. Guys, we got the Caribbean. We So, so I, I say this to say that this is powerful. This is powerful that we can come together and read the word together and to participate in the scriptures together. So I just believe that um, God has something special for you. I've got nothing planned here, guys. Um, as you guys know, this is just me spending time in reading the word with you. And afterwards, I'll spend a little bit of time just sharing thoughts on uh, what the Lord is leading me to today. Um, we're asking three questions as we engage in the scriptures. The three questions that we're asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question is, what are you revealing concerning people? Yes, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, what are you revealing concerning me? These are the three questions that I want you to prayerfully consider as we spend time in the reading of the word. Um, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 14. We've read now Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, sorry, 1 Samuel, and then we're going to get to 2 Samuel. So we're almost there. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, getting ahead of myself here. Um, uh, but uh, that's what we want to do. So if you ever miss any episodes, I want to encourage you to follow the font everywhere on Facebook. It's a private group, but everybody gets in. So uh, go ahead and follow the font everywhere if you want to catch the previous read and rants. Thank you so much for the gift. Thank you so much. And for those of you who 
um, may want to also check it out in audio. It's available on a podcast called the Read and Rant Podcast. I want to encourage you to download the Read and Rant Podcast. Guys, we are at uh, 10,000 downloads. We are actually edging now towards 15,000 downloads. Guys, that is incredible to see so many people who are engaging with us in the reading of scripture to see that we've reached 15,000 downloads is is mind-blowing to me because I just thought I'd have a few people who'd want to come read the word with me. And yet there's so many of you that have come um, to read the word along with me. So that's that's really encouraging. So I'm super encouraged by that. Um, but let's go ahead and let's get, let's get started. We're going to um, uh, spend some time in the reading of the word. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would be with us today, Lord. Be present among us. Father, we come, Lord, from different time zones, from different geographical regions. And yet, Lord, you've given us the gift of coming together, Lord, to read your word at the same time. And so, Father, I just ask that you would be with us, Lord, as we read your word. Let us be guided by your word. Father, do not allow us to insert, Lord, ourselves in your word, but, Father, that you would draw out of us, Lord, what needs to be drawn out and that you would correct in us what needs to be corrected, that you would, uh, Lord, submit our spirit and our heart to the truth of your scripture. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's get started. First Samuel chapter 14, and it says this. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gebeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Boses, and the name of the other was Seneh. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gebeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we shall stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. And the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter with Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within half an acre of land. And they were trembling in the camp in the field 
and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled. And the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gebeah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went there. They went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone up from us. And when they had called roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Sorry. The ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened when Saul talked to the priests that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priests, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled and they went into battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was a very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp, from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in battle. And the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth Avon. Verse 24 And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come to the woods, there was honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth for people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge with the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with the oath saying, cursed is the man who eats food this day and the people are faint. But Jonathan said, my father is, has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people have eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they have found. For now, would there not be, sorry, would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven the Philistines back that day from Michmash to Ajalon. So the Lord, <clears throat> so sorry, so the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil, took sheep, oxen, and calves, and slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Then they took Saul saying, look, the people are sinning against the Lord, eating with the blood. So he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep, slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw near to God. So Saul asked counsel of God 
Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all of Israel, you be on one side and my son, Jonathan, and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore, Saul said to the God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son, Jonathan, and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod in my hand. So now I must die. Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines and the Philistines to their own place. (laughs) So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshui, Malkishua. And the, son, and the names of his daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger was Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahionam, sorry, Ahinoam, and the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of the army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner was the father of Abner, who was the son of Abiel. Now, there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took for himself. There's a lot there to unpack, family. So much there to unpack. Next chapter, chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talaim. 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Emelech and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, get down from among the Malachites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed 
from among the Amalekites and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, greatly regret. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. Hmm. So when Samuel rose in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. He had gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen, which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then? Did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, gone on the mission on which the Lord had sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Oh man, so much there. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because you feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is 
better than you. And he also, sorry, and also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of the people and before Israel return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. And Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Malachites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. First Samuel 16, and we'll stop there. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord anointing or the anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. For we will sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. This is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. 
And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be made well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well. Bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillfully playing a mighty man of valor, man of war, prudent in speech and handsome in person. The Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread and skin and wine and a young goat and sent them by his son to David. So David came to Saul, stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him the word of god <sighs> lord speak to us uh today as we engage in your word we just ask for your wisdom and your guidance uh, father we ask that you be with all of us lord as we engage for we have all come together lord to seek to hear from you and we say that in your name um, amen. There is, uh, these are, these are some of the challenges, you know, the, the preacher in me wants to just go off. Right. I mean, there's just so much here, so much information. And to be honest with you, this portion of scripture that we just read would require hours of just breaking it down for you to understand uh, these chapters, chapters 14, 15, and 16, we see a shift in the narrative, a shift in the story. Um, we see a transition happening. There's a transfer. There's a transition happening, but it's always important, as I've mentioned before, that the stories that we're reading understand that they're part of a bigger story. They're part of a grander narrative. There's a, there's a bigger thing at work here. Um, there's a bigger thing at work. There's a, there's a bigger story at play. As a matter of fact, within every story in humanity is a bigger story. Within every story, there's a bigger narrative. There's a grander narrative. God is executing something here. He's working something out through this narrative of scripture. So if you haven't read through the scriptures with us and you haven't gone through the read and rant, I want to encourage you to go and check out the read and rant because I believe it's just, it, it'll help you really realign your, your understanding of scripture because I, I can tell you right now, a lot of people read the scriptures incorrectly. They read the scriptures incorrectly. And yet we've been given this privilege of sitting down and just spending time every day to read the scriptures. And we're seeing a story that's being 
articulated, but we see a weaving of stories within the big story. This is this is a story, and yet we've read like two or three stories in here, and yet these two or three stories are part of a bigger story of how God is redeeming humanity through these people. We talked about from the beginning this, the children of Israel who are the chosen people of God, chosen to be a nation that would show what God is like to the world. They were the nation of priests who would be the mediators of God to bring God's kingdom and to establish God's kingdom on earth, to restore everything that is broken, to restore the power sorry, the, the, the consequences and, and, and the things that we have seen, what I would call the power of sin, um, the, or, or in the scriptures, it's called the strength of sin. And, and, and so this, the strength of sin, what has come from sin, what has come out of sin, all the stuff that we've seen in the world would be restored through these people. God made a promise to Abraham, and he said that through his seed, right? Through his seed, he would be the father of many nations. And through the seed, his through his seed, through Abraham's seed, which is what we read before, right? In Genesis, through Abraham's seed would come the restoration of all humanity through Abraham's seed. Now they understood the seed to be the people, right? His seed. It's the same. Though the word seed in the text is the word sperma. And sperma, you guys get it. It's the word well, it's the word by which we get sperm, which is what show, which is a DNA. There's a DNA. There's a bloodline. There's a there, there's a passing down of blood from one to another because again, the scriptures tell us that the life is in the blood. God cares about the bloodline, and not only does He care about the bloodline, but He cares about covenant. It's not just about the bloodline, but it's about covenant in the bloodline. Um, there's there's a bloodline that was in covenant and there was a bloodline that was out of co covenant. Most of the nations of Canaan were also children of Abraham. The Amorites were also related to Abraham. Okay. Um, um, the, the, these, the, the many nations that we see in Canaan were all you know, sons of many of them were sons of Esau. And remember, Esau was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. And so, uh, um, and so, there are many nations in Canaan that were also children of Abraham by blood. Which means, then, side note, that it isn't DNA that makes you called. It isn't DNA that sets you apart it isn't because you have a certain ethnicity or an ethnic identity, but rather something bigger than that. There's a spiritual identity that takes precedence over the ethnic identity for anybody who argues that somehow it's the children of Abraham or uh, that the children, if it is the children of Abraham that have been called, then there are many who would have been called. But it's not. It's God who chose a people. I think we have a, a difficulty often accepting the fact that God chooses people, and yet God does. He chooses people. This is the work that he said. He said that we have been chosen before the foundations of the world. So God chooses people. Okay. And and so we see that through covenant, it was the covenant of Isaac and then from Isaac to Israel. Remember, Isaac had Ishmael. They were the Ishmaelites. Sorry, not Isaac had Ishmael. Abraham had Ishmael. Ishmael had sons. 
all in Canaan. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Esau had sons, all in Canaan. These were all nations. Here's what's crazy. All these people that you see that are fighting with each other are all related by blood. They are all distant cousins of one another. They were ethnically the same people. I think we ignore that. And sometimes we forget the demographics beyond behind it. This is not about ethnicity. This is not about race. This is about identity, spiritual identity and God choosing people. And the people that he chose were the ones he made covenant with and they covenanted with him at Mount Sinai. And that's where he gave them the law and in giving them the law, they now became committed to becoming the nation of priests, and yet they continue to disobey the law. They could not fulfill what God had instilled and imparted upon them. They could not fulfill it. They failed over and over and over again. And so we see that in Judges, this, this nation is in complete turmoil. They become like their distant cousins. They become just like the Canaanites. They were chosen by God to be separate, to be holy, but now they, the whole thing has fallen apart. Now they've come to the bottom of the bottom. They are morally depraved. And now in this moral depravity comes Samuel. Samuel comes into the picture. And, and, and as Samuel comes into the picture, Samuel is called to be the prophet leader, but the children of Israel want a king. Samuel sees Saul. Saul is tall. The scriptures told, tell us that he was tall. He was good looking. He was a man of good countenance. He looked the part. Saul looked the part. He looked the part. That guy looks like a king. Come to find out in the chapters that we read from yesterday is that Saul, while he looked the part, was not the part. Saul may have had um, semblances of royalty, but Saul was not what he was called to be. And the scriptures tell us that, that the king of Israel must rule as God rules and submit to God's rule, not submit to his power and his looks and his ability, but to submit to the rule of God. And the rule of God is through humility and sacrifice. And yet, yet Saul was really about his pride. He was about himself. Saul was about what he wanted and how he wanted it and, and all that other good stuff. This is, this is who Saul was. And now we're beginning to see the demise of Saul. Saul was supposed to lead these people into becoming this nation because the people actually rejected God. That was the first travesty, which we talked about yesterday is, is that the, the, the first travesty is that the people rejected God. He was already king, and yet they wanted a king. They rejected God, and God even said that their desire for a king was contemporaneously a rejection of him. Isn't it funny how we want kings in our lives? We want to be ruled by people. We have this tendency to be to want to be ruled by people, but to be ruled by Christ, to be ruled by God. And, the, and here's the unfortunate reality is that when we choose to be ruled by people, we are immediately choosing to be hurt, to be abused, 
to be oppressed and to fail. Why? Because people are sinful. Saul was not just imperfect. Saul was prideful. Saul, and remember at the beginning, and this is really the main thread of this entire, if there's anything you should get from the book of Samuel, especially 1 Samuel, and it's the purpose for even Hannah's prayer at the beginning of the book of Samuel. If there's anything that you get from the book of Samuel, it's in it's the main theme of Hannah's prayer. God opposes the proud, but he exalts and gives grace to the humble. If there's anything, if you ask, what is the main idea of Samuel? As God is now beginning to establish a story, it's he's opposing the, 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 the moral end of Samuel is God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Saul had a humility about him. And notice what um, we just read here. Hold on. Notice what we read here, uh, where Samuel says to Saul, he reminds Saul that it was in his humility that he was brought to royalty. It was because of his humility that he was brought to royalty. Look at look at first Samuel chapter 15. Oh man, there's so much here. We don't have I want to talk about all the failures of Saul and what Saul did, but that's not my point today because I, I I want to give you my main point today because we can go through all of this. Saul who immediately disobeyed God, did what he wanted to do. And it's funny because pride always looks to deflect. I mean, let me, that's another quick side note. I'm ranting, y'all. I'm ranting, y'all. But pride always deflects. Whenever someone who is prideful is caught in sin or caught doing something that they ought not to do, they're quick to deflect. In this text, Saul is commanded to destroy the Amalekites, to destroy the entire nation. People say, wait a minute, so God's permitting genocide? I guess you forgot what the times were like in those days. These people will either continue, just completely wipe out the Israelites or the Israelites would have to uh, be victorious over them. And yet Saul didn't do what God told him to do. Saul took the best. He took, he commanded it. If you remember, he commanded the cream of the crop. He said, take the best of their stuff. Take the best of the sheep and the oxen and the camel. Take all their stuff and bring the king to me, even though he was told to destroy everything. And then when Samuel catches him in it, look what Saul does in verse nine. But Saul and the people spared Agag, ready? And the best of the sheep in verse, verse nine, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So they disobeyed God by choosing and sifting out the things that they saw that were good and that they liked for themselves. All the other stuff that was worth rejecting, they rejected. But the stuff that they said, hey, this thing has a little bit of value to it. I'm going to keep it. So Samuel then confronts Saul and look what Saul says to him in verse 20, go down. Samuel confronts him because God had already told Samuel that, that, that Saul had disobeyed. And in verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, but I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. Lying and gone on mission on which the Lord sent me. 
lying, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Not true. He kept some. But the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen. But the text tells us that Saul did it and the people. But when Saul got caught, Saul deflected and passed on the sin to the children of Israel, which is what prideful people do. Because what prideful people do is, is they never own up to their wrong. They never own up to their sin. <laughs> um, prideful people always look for a way to cover up their sin. And if it means throwing somebody else under the bus, that's what prideful people do. And that's who Saul was. Saul was prideful, y'all. <laughs> he was prideful and he deflected. And then Samuel then says to him, uh, Samuel responds to him and says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and heed the fat of the rams. Now notice what Saul does. Saul not only deflects, but then he repackages their sin as worship. He says, but the people took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best things, so as to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Isn't it funny how we will take the things that we know that God takes no pleasure in and repackage it as worship? We, we have a way of rewriting our story and our sins and the things that we do. And we've all done it, y'all. If anybody understands that, we've all done it. Everybody's here. I've done it. If you say you haven't done it, then we have a way of finding glory out of some of the mistakes that we've made, the sins that we commit, the errors that we make. And sometimes we see the consequences of it. And rather than owning up to the consequences of it, we deflect, we redirect, and then we have a way of packaging it into religiosity to say, yes, but I had good intentions in mind. I had good intentions. Um, um, you know, I meant to do it this way and it just didn't turn out that way. That's that relationship. Yeah, that's that relationship that you're in and you know you're not living the way you ought to live, but somehow you repackage it in a way to say, God, you know my heart. You know what I want. You know what I want to do. You see, you see, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Actually, I want you to get glory out of this. And yet what God wants is obedience. And he says to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, what's funny is we will be more religious than we are obedient. We have a tendency to be more religious than obedient. Oh, we will go to church. We will We'll, we'll give our tithes and our offerings and, and we'll do all this stuff because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And so if God ever comes to us, at least I did this. Ah, but sacrifice? You mean, you mean, you want, you want me to be 
submitted to you, Lord, in all of my life and in all that I do, even the things that I do not see, even the things that, sorry, even the things that they do not see, even the things that they cannot see. Isn't it funny how we all have a tendency to do this? And and many of us are just like Saul. Saul was humble when he first came into power, but his pride led to his downfall. His pride led to his downfall. The Lord delights in our obedience, not our sacrifice, not our religiosity. The Lord delights in our obedience to him, not in these are things I do for God. And these are the things I know this isn't exactly how it should be, but at least I'm, I, I, I have, at least my intentions were right. God don't care about your intentions. He wants your obedience. And yet Saul, who's been called by God to lead these people and to rule, to usher in the kingdom of God on earth, Saul now is more interested in ushering the kingdom of Saul and using God to make it work. Notice Saul is a very religious man. We, so we just read it. I want you, I want to point that out to you. Notice when he had the, the exchange with Jonathan, he was willing for Jonathan to die for disobedience and for the eating of blood. And, 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 and yes, this was sacrilegious for, for Israel because Israel was called and set apart not to eat of the blood. And yet Saul got real serious about eating the blood, but stealing from God. You see, this is the thing about religious people. I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but let me rant for a minute. You know, the thing about religious people is, is we have a way of moving the moral goalposts. We have a way of moving the moral goalposts. We will say, no, 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 not this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you would do that. You ate the blood? That's Saul. You ate the blood. I can't believe this. You guys deserve death. May God have mercy on your soul. But, you know, I mean, I could, we could steal a few things over here. I mean, I know we're, we're directly disobeying God, but even though we're directly disobeying, at least we have good intentions. Religious people will put righteousness on a curve. Religious people have a tendency to um, make one sin greater than the other. Religious people have a way of giving a pass for one way of living. Oh, but the other way of living, don't do that. Oh, no, not that. No, we can't accept that. Uh, but lying, stealing, cheating, that's okay. Yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're cool. I mean, we, we can give a lot of grace to marital infidelity, Oh, but we don't have any grace for homosexuality. We, we can give a lot of grace for the guy who's lying, stealing, and cheating. Oh, but for, for, for this guy, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, for, you know, I mean, no, I mean, you know, we, we won't accept that. Not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. That can't be accepted. 
oh no, we'll accept certain levels of morality, but others we give a pass for because religious people have a tendency to put righteousness on a curve. This is what Saul is. Saul is religious. He's religious, so it's okay for one thing to happen, but it's not okay for another. It's it's okay. I mean, we we can give a pass for 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 the husband who's 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 cheating on his wife, but 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 for that woman who got pregnant out of wedlock, no no no, she don't get a pass. Oh no, not at all. We'll give a pass to the liar, the philanderer. Oh, but no, we won't give a pass to that. And, and we'll give grace to one thing, but not to another, because for many people, the sacrifice is more important than the obedience. Yeah. Because what religious people care about is how it looks, not what it is. Ooh, that's a TikTok. <laughs> Religious people care more about how it looks and not what it is. Eating the blood didn't look good. Ah, but stealing the spoils and keeping the best, I mean, why not? accepting one does not look good, but then to accept the other, uh, you know, I mean, had good intentions. I don't know if I remember telling you this story, but one of the funniest things I ever saw, funniest thing I ever saw was I was at McDonald's and I saw this guy come in and he looked like a bishop because he had like the, the, the colorful suit with like the 50 buttons down there. I was in the hood and I'm at McDonald's in the hood and it's got the buttons and all. And he, 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 he walks in and there was a guy who was outside smoking. Um, he's smoking and then he comes inside. And so we're in line and this Bishop who, um, uh, is morbidly obese. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like calling people out, but he, I mean, he, he could barely walk, you know, he was, he was, morbidly obese. He looks at the guy who walks in and says, says, do you care about your relationship with Jesus? And the guy looks back and he was like, what? He's like, he's like, he's like, don't you see how you, that the body is a temple and you're destroying the body, smoking that crap. Don't you see? And and so he went on this whole rant. And then afterwards, he comes up and he orders three Big Macs. He says, I'll have three Big Macs. And I thought to myself, this guy, <laughs> this guy, he has put righteousness on a curve. He has selective righteousness. It's okay to ruin your body this way with eating three Big Macs, but it's not okay to ruin your body with cigarettes. Because that's what religious people do. And I remember sitting there looking confused. I'm like, I can't. What's the difference between the guy smoking outside 
and you ordering three big Macs, that's not good for you. <laughs> it's not good. I'm okay. I mean, if you want to order a Big Mac, eat a Big Mac, cool. But three Big Macs, that's a, that's a lot. And supersized fries and a supersized drink, that's a lot. And yet you can, you're permitted to destroy your body this way because that, that's okay. That's acceptable. But this is not. Because we love the sacrifice more than we love obedience. But that's actually the one, uh, the one point that really sticks out to me as I'm reading this is the conviction that we have to have is that God does not want simply our sacrifice. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to simply have read my Bible five times. I went to church every Sunday. I'm doing all the stuff you want me to do. I'm checking off the religious box, you know, checking all that off. Thank you, by the way, for all the badges, family. Thank you guys. Thank you, Craving Donuts. Thank you, T-Love. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you, Devery. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, but it's not about that. God wants our life. He wants our obedience. You stop it right now, Carolina. You stop it with that. Because I watched him. He did not do that. I watched it. I was, I was very attentive. He did not do that. He wants our obedience. But that's not my point today. And I'll close. I got a few minutes. I got about five minutes. So give me five minutes, y'all. Give me five minutes, family. Because I want to get on Samuel for a moment. The reason why I brought all this up is because we see now Saul ain't it. As a matter of fact, Saul was fired just a few chapters ago. Go back and check out that episode. Saul was fired just a few chapters ago. So Saul is done. Okay. Saul is already done. Saul is operating on grace. He's fired. And the, 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 the interesting thing, oh man, there's so much here. Uh, okay. Um, the interesting thing is, is that while Saul was fired, okay, even though Saul was fired, the scriptures tell us that he had already set someone aside. Pay attention, family. I know I'm not doing Bible study here, but pay attention here is that he fires Saul, right? After Saul disobeys him in chapter 13. And he says, but now look what he says in, in, in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, very, very close attention. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14 he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. He's talking to Saul. So Saul was already fired as we were reading everything we were reading today. He said, your kingdom shall not continue the Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So Saul was already fired. Okay. Saul was already fired. But watch this now. God already knew this. Not only did God already know Saul was already fired, God already knew before he fired Saul who Saul's replacement would be. How do we know that? The reason why we know that is the reason why the book of Ruth exists in the scriptures in the first place. 
When we read the book of Ruth, you have always asked, why is the book of Ruth there? Why do you snug Ruth right in there after the book of Judges? Because while the book of Judges is transpiring, there's another story that's happening. And in that story, notice how the book of Ruth ends. The book of Ruth ends with verse 18. In Ruth 4, verse 18, it says, Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. And Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nahashon. Nahashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. Before the story of Samuel and Saul in the exchange of Samuel and Saul, God is already telling you that he already had David in his mind. David was always part of the plan. Saul is actually there to be a teaching moment that Saul was given an opportunity to lead when God did not want him to lead. Remember when Samuel, when Samuel coronated Saul, Samuel gave a whole rant about how this was not God's will for the people. And yet the people chose him that he was chosen among the people because he looked the part. So Ruth now is telling you that David was God's plan. Saul was not, but God allowed and permitted Saul in the plan because God wanted to reveal something is that pride will end in destruction. That the Lord exalts the humble, gives grace to the humble, but that the proud are humbled. And then watch this, y'all. Because I got a gripe with Samuel. Samuel then reiterates, and, and Samuel reiterates after this encounter with Saul, reminds Saul again, says, Saul, you are fired. He already told Saul two chapters ago that he was fired. But let me remind you one more time. In verse 26, chapter 15, verse 26, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. He already said it, but now he's going to say it again. Samuel already said it, but now Samuel's going to say it again. And then in verse 35, the scriptures tell us that Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned Saul. Samuel wanted Saul to work out. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned Saul and the Lord rejected that he had made, sorry, regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And yet Saul wasn't part of the plan. The bloodline was actually in David. David was always part of the plan. And ready for this? He tells Samuel, now go and anoint my replacement. Samuel gets up, gets the donkey. He goes to Bethlehem. Notice again, the connection. This is why we say David is a type of Christ because David is from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. David is in Bethlehem and Jesse is in Bethlehem. Pay attention now. This is important. 
because this is what the Lord is convicting me of. Just give me five more minutes. Just give me five more minutes. I'm over time. I know I'm over time. But just give me five more minutes. Five more minutes. I know I'm ranting. I'm ranting, y'all. I'm sorry. You guys have to put up with my rant. Just put up with my rant. Samuel goes to Bethlehem to anoint the next king. To anoint Saul's replacement. He goes to anoint Saul's replacement. Now pay very close attention. He gets there. He sees Jesse and Jesse's sons. Samuel says, come join me in worship. And the first person Samuel sees is he sees Eliab. He sees Eliab. And Samuel's first response to it is, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He sees Eliab and he says, that's it. Eliab's the one because Eliab looks the part. He looks the part. He has a way about him that pleases Samuel. He likes Samuel. Samuel has a type. Samuel has a type. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Let me just drink this. It's going to hurt somebody, but this is, where the, this is where the Lord is leading me. So please, you know, Samuel has a type. He got Saul. Saul was a type. Now Samuel's got a type. Just saying. Samuel Cena says, surely the Lord's anointed is before. Can you imagine? He looks at Eliab and Eliab's. He's, he's husky. He's tall. He's good looking. He's got the part. That guy looks like a king. That's got to be him. And the Lord says to Samuel and convicts him and says, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so now, Saul, notice what's happening here. Samuel breaks up with Saul, but then he goes and finds one who looks like him to replace him. I don't have enough time today. Because Samuel has a type. I've heard men who've come to me and say, man, there aren't any good women out there. I said, no, I think the problem is your type. He said, what you mean? I said, I think you have a type. And because you have a type, <laughs> you keep picking your type. So yes, you make that conclusion because in your myopic world, all these girls out here aren't it. And I've heard a lot of women say, there ain't any good men in the church. There's no good men out here. And I've said to some ladies, 
there's some truth to that that it sometimes can be harder because there just tends to be more women in church than men. And that's sad. That's a travesty. And that's another conversation for another day because I can talk into why that's true. However, chances are you got a type because you have a type. You're going for the one you're attracted to that fits what you desire. But what if what you like is the problem? What if your type is the problem? Man, I just can't find any good friends and this. What if it's your type? Man, I keep going to every church I go to. The church, the pastor is a philanderer and a thief and every, every community. What if it's a type? You know, I can't find, there are no good churches out here. What if it's a type? I can't find any good friends in any good community in any, what if it's your type? And what if your type is the problem? What if the problem is your type? What if the problem is, is that you say that there's no good men out here because the only men that are your type are no good. What if you're judging the outward appearance and the things that fit your preference and yet it's your preference that's the problem? Could it be? That you haven't found a husband because you've got an image of what your husband should be, look, talk, act, walk, like, and that's why you're still single. Could it be that the reason why you haven't found that wife is because you've had a paradigm for what you want? And understand this, you know that your type comes out of your brokenness, right? Ooh, it's tough. I'm sorry. Just hear that part wisdom today, family. You know that your type comes out of your brokenness. You know, often the reason why you have a type is because something broke along the way and somehow that type satiates that brokenness. Certain kind of guy you like because maybe that guy is anti-dad. Uh, maybe there's a certain kind of woman you like because that woman somehow uh, projects your mother. Maybe there's some kind of um, guy you like because it's not about what you're for, but it's more about what you're against. Oh, oh, it's tough. So maybe it's your type. And what God is saying is, is that often what men have done to you, you've done to men. What women have done to you, you've done to women. What the church has done to you, you've done to the church. Is we're all living based off of appearance. And yet we just saw how appearances can lead to destruction. Samuel's type is no good for Israel. Samuel's type is prideful. Samuel's type 
is, is, is self-absorbed. Samuel's type is a liar. Samuel's type is a cheat. And the Lord is saying, get over your type. Because while you're looking at the outward appearance, I'm looking at the heart. And maybe if we would get out of looking at how things look like from the outward appearance, we can get down to what's really going on in the heart. I say all this to say Samuel ain't it. Sorry, Saul ain't it. But why are you trying to get another Saul? Not another Saul. That should be the name of this podcast episode. Not another Saul. And so he runs through all the brothers and eventually we're going to talk about it from David's perspective. But today I just want to point out that from Samuel's perspective, we're going to bring up David's perspective on Monday when we come back to the reading rent on Monday. But right now I want to give you David, uh, Samuel's perspective. Samuel, Samuel has a type. God's saying, no, no, I'm not giving you another Saul. Nope. <laughs> I'm not giving you another song. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. And the reality is, is that Jesus was not what we wanted. The scriptures tell us that he was rejected by man. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was rejected. Nobody wanted Jesus. And yet Jesus wanted us. If anybody can really realize that even from the beginning, we were, we rejected Jesus. We, we hated Jesus. We weren't about Jesus. We were far from Jesus. Jesus would have not been our first choice. And if anybody can put up a hand emoji and say, Jesus was not my first choice. I can tell you right now, I'll put up my hand up. You can put up your hand emoji, put up your hand emoji and let people know Jesus was not my first choice. Jesus was not my type. Jesus was not what I wanted. Jesus was not what I was looking for. But I had to go through some things in my life. I had to go through some moments in my life and realize that what I wanted was killing me. And when I received Jesus, I realized he was what I needed. And now there's nothing else I want in my life other than Jesus. Jesus wasn't who I wanted. He was who I needed. And when I received him, now he's all that I need. I don't need another soul. I need Jesus. Israel doesn't need another soul. Israel needs Christ. Israel doesn't need another soul. Israel needs a king, a humble king. And David is just a foreshadow of the king that is to come. So family, let's not chase after another Saul. Don't chase another Saul in your life. If you just broke up with somebody, don't look for a replacement. You might need to die to your way of thinking. And maybe you need to thank God for the people who aren't in your life anymore. The breakups, the people who've left you, the friends that you've that have left you. Thank God that you've been rejected by those people because now God wants to introduce you. God wants to introduce you to some new people in your life, but they're not going to look like what you thought. They're not going to seem like what you thought. They're, it's going to be different. Maybe the church God is calling you to is not the kind of church that you would have liked at first. It's not the one that you would have been like, man, this is this is where I want to be. It might not be what you want, but man may look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at 
the heart. Closing thought, and then I'm going to close in prayer. I remember going to a Presbyterian church to preach because I try to preach every now and then, or, you know, try to go through different circuits and preach. And it's interesting, you know, I have, I, you know, it's, it's been an interesting story for me, what God has done in my life, because, you know, I'm, I've preached at, at, uh, at Pentecostal churches, AME churches, and I've preached at Presbyterian churches. It's always been an interesting experience. But I went to go speak at a Presbyterian church and I sat down and I was the only black man in the room for sure. <laughs> I was the only black. I love being in those circles because I have, I have friends from all different races, ethnicities. I just love being around different people and, and just enjoying the richness and the tapestry of, 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 of the manifold wisdom of God through all these different races and ethnicities. And I just love being a part of that and, and engaging in that. And I remember going to, but then it gets a little uncomfortable when you're like the only black man, like in the room, it gets really uncomfortable. And mind you, I'm already like a weird looking black guy. Like I'm, I'm black. I'm this, this big black bearded dude that wears a beanie and he's just kind of, you know, I, I tend to be a little rough around the edges, you know? So I'm just, I'm just not a refined guy. You know what I mean? And I remember sitting in that room and, uh, and I remember, I think I was sitting in like the third row because I tend to do stuff like that. Even if I'm called somewhere to go preach and speak, even in big stages and big crowds, I tend to like just sit in the third row because I, I want to be part of the people. I'm, I, I actually don't like the stage. I hate the stage. And I remember walking up to the stage and they called, they said, today we're going to have Dr. Isaac, because, you know, they have to put the doctor in, even though I don't have a doctor in theology, I have a doctor in economics, but they have to put the doctor in because that somehow gives me credibility, right? So they said, uh, we have Dr. Isaac Petit Frere, who's going to come and share the word with us today. And I got up from the third row to preach. And I preached the sermon. After I preached the sermon, a older white woman walks up to me and she says to me in tears, she says, I need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. And I said, why, 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 why do you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness? And she said to me, I had all kinds of thoughts about who you were before you came on the stage. I said, really? She said, yeah. In my mind, I was wondering why you're here. She's just being straight up honest with me. She said, in my mind, I was wondering why you were here. I thought maybe you came to the wrong church. I thought that, you know, I just had all these thoughts about who you were just by the way you look and the way you dress and the way you just, just for who you are. And I prejudged you and she said, and you went up there to preach this sermon and I, I was weeping halfway through the sermon. She said, I was, I was weeping through the entire sermon and I realized there's a sin in my heart. I realize there's, there's just profound sin in my heart because I would have never expected. And 
I'm sorry if I say this, but I have to tell you what's in my mind. She said, I would have never expected that someone who looked like you and who dressed like you and, and is the way that you are could go up and preach such a profound sermon and articulate and just minister in the way that you did. And she, at this point, she's like boohoo crying <laughs> because she's just, she's just wrecked, you know, she's wrecked. And it was kind of weird at that point because I was kind of like, do I hug this white woman? I think I should hug her right now. I think she needs a hug. I think she needs a hug. So I said, you know what? Let me just, let's just hug. And so we hug and then, you know, she's buried in my big body and we're just hugging. And I began to also be overwhelmed with emotion. Because I realize that the Lord is doing something in our community. He's doing something even in our church today that he's redefining who we exalt and who we demote, who we raise up and who we diminish. I forgave her in that moment. I said, I said you are my sister in Christ. I forgive you. And she said, I, I won't ever judge a black man ever again. And I said, don't make those promises yet. <laughs> but I said, let the Lord work on your heart. And we both cried. We both wept. But I realized something that there's a lot of places that I go. It's until I open my mouth and speak that people go, oh, wow, it's not what I would have expected. I've heard this so many times. Oh, wow, you're, you're not what I would have expected. And I realized that there are a lot of people who prejudge us based off of how we look, how we dress, how we act. And thank God that he never looks at what we look at and look like. But that he chooses us based off of our hearts. So, y'all, God bless you. Oh. <laughs> I might not be your type. <laughs> The church that you're at might be your type and that might be the problem. The community that you're at might be your type and that might be the problem. Not another Saul. That man you broke up with, don't get another Saul. That woman you broke up with, don't get another Saul. That way that you've been thinking, not another Saul. No, 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 no. Not another Saul. Father, we ask today, Lord, as we uh, navigate through this day, Lord, I just pray that you would guide us and lead us, Lord, that we would submit to the reality, Lord, that we have a propensity to seek after, Lord, appearance. And for whatever reason that we desire these things, whatever reason that we have desires for a particular type, whatever it might be, Lord, I, I can't really fully explain it and and make sense of it all but but lord we acknowledge that we all have a type and so father i just pray right now that you would break us of that thinking lord not to look at the outward appearances or to look at the stature of people and of communities but that lord we would look at the heart whether we go beyond lord what people see and beyond what we see and get into what you see father Bless us today as we engage and navigate through this day, Lord. Convict us, Lord God, of this truth. Lord, 
that we have the tendency to look at the outward appearance, but also remind us of what you see in us and in everyone else. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to say one quick thing before we close is um, I know that there are some people here. You may be a baby in the faith. You may be new to the faith. You may not have faith. As a matter of fact, if you're not even a Christian, you say, I'm not even a Christian and you're not a believer. That's perfect. That's perfect. Because I have something that I want to journey with you in. Starting next week on Wednesdays, um, we have this thing called Alpha, where we sit down and we just have conversations about life's biggest questions. And really, it's just an opportunity for you to really engage in some of the difficult questions of faith and just to have a conversation. And so I want you to join me in being a part of my group. I have not invited people in my group. I know it's last minute. Usually I, I leave a few weeks for people to come and join my group. The last Alpha that I did, it's a it's a it's a it's an 11 week journey where every week on Wednesday night we come together and we just we just talk about faith. We talk about faith and life's biggest questions. And so it's at 7 p.m. And um, every week we just deal with a question. Um, this week we, we dealt with the question of is there more to life than this? Uh, but next week we're going to deal with even more deep questions. And so. I want you guys to just journey with me. I'm not here to give you the answers. No one's here to give you the answers. No one's here to convert you. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you. But it's it's going to be on Zoom. So I want to give you the link. Babe, are you on here? Vanessa, are you there? If if you if you if you aren't, um the link is tftv.co slash join alpha. TFTV dot co slash join alpha if you could type it in uh babe if you could type it in that'd be great so that way people can 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 um can get the link let me see if i can type it in here on on ig tftv whoops um but it's really catered to people who listen if you are an unbeliever or if you're a doubter you're like man i don't even know about this christian faith no one's coming to change your mind about anything, okay? We're not here to, in culture, we're actually not even here to give you the answer specifically. We're here to journey together and just to talk through it. Um, I think sometimes we don't, we just don't have safe spaces. We don't have safe places to talk about faith. We don't have safe places to just talk about those hard questions. And so that's what Alpha is. And so um, my group, there it is, TF, yep, that's exactly right, tftv.co, I was about to type it in, Santiago. So. I want to invite you to join my group. We get to link up one-on-one, face-to-face on Zoom. It's free. So no one's going to ask you. We're not going to end asking you for money. We don't want your money, okay, for Alpha. We're not going to ask for money. We're not asking for anything. We just want you to show up and just wrestle with those questions. We want you, we want to be a safe place for you to be able to talk about it. You can hate Jesus. You can hate all of it. Like, you can say, I'm not about that life at all. Listen. I just want to give you a place to, there it is. I just shared it to, to talk about um, faith and life's biggest questions. It's just a safe place. That's it. There won't be a passcode. It's tftv.co slash join alpha. Um, and, and I believe it goes to a form, just sign up to the form and just put a mention that 
um, that Pastor Isaac invited you, or you could just say that Isaac invited you, and they'll see it, and they'll move you to my group because there's a few groups that meet at that same time as well, and so and you'll get all the details. We'll give you a link for the Zoom meeting and everything. You're gonna get all the information there. So it's tftv.co/slash/join/alpha, and you'll sign up. They'll put it. Ooh, can I pin it? I should have done that. Thing is, I'm about to get off right now. How do you kids use this internet stuff? There it is, pin. Boom. There it is right there. TFTV.co slash join alpha. Can you pin comments as well on um on, on TikTok? That'd be cool if you could do that, but I don't think you can. But yeah, um it's Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, guys, you'll get all the details. So if you're interested, even if you don't know if you can come or not, if you're just interested, it starts on Wednesday, technically it started this past Wednesday, but I will be kicking off next Wednesday. And I'd love to have a group of you guys last, uh, the last 11 weeks, I had a group of, of about eight people who I journeyed with and man, it was powerful. It was just, it was amazing. Uh, just to see, you know, different places that people were in in their faith. There were people who legit said, I hate Jesus. I'm not about this Christian thing. There were other people that said, hey, I'm I'm an atheist. Um, sorry, I'm an agnostic. I just don't know what I believe. I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm at. And listen, no one's here to correct you. No one's here to judge you. Um, we're just here to give you a safe place to talk about it. That's it. That's it. A safe place to talk about it. And so um, I, I I hope that I'm a safe place for you to talk about it because you're not going to get any correction from me because I've been there and it's just a journey, guys. And no one want, no one's asking you to, you know, no one's going to pressure you to be converted at the end of it. It's really just a journey. That's all it is. It's just a journey. Um, some people come out becoming Christians. Some people come out, you know, still working it out. And that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. But I find that the more, so this is just, I know there's another rant, but I just want to kind of just throw that out there that I learn more from listening than I learn from just speaking about what I know. Uh, you can cash at me. I know you want to skip the badge. Um, just check the link in the bio. There's other ways that you can support me directly. Thank you, Mama Stu. I appreciate that, um, that you can support me directly. The link is in the bio. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, Alpha, it's free. Okay. You don't need to, to pay. You don't need to do anything and no one's going to force you. We just want you to have a safe place to talk about it. I've had people who said, I actually never had a, I, I didn't have anyone to talk to about what we're talking about right now. Like I've, I've never had, like people say, I've never had a space to even share some of the things that I'm saying. Um, people who grew up in church, people who left church, people who are in church, but say, I, I'm here, but I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even believe in Jesus, to be honest with you. I just come to church because I like the community and that's fine as well. And then some people say, Hey, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know what I believe. And I'm still working out some things. It's just interesting to see the dynamic there. And and I just love, I'm not here to give you answers. I'm actually here to hear your stories, to listen to you, to learn about you. And man, I can tell you the group that I had last time, I've learned so much. I learned so much from everyone. And it's just, it's one of my favorite times. Alpha is one of my favorite times to just sit and connect with people. So I want to encourage you guys, come and join me for Alpha, tftv.co slash join alpha 
All the details will be sent to you there. The meetings are at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, that's when we meet, but you're going to get all the links because you don't have the link yet. The link is not to go to the meeting. The link is to sign up. And then once you sign up, you're going to get an email that's going to give you the link. And because you, um, you know, just make sure you put my name in there. So that way, when all the people come together on Wednesday and they break us out into groups, you can be a part of my group because I want you to be a part of my group. So it's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesdays. Um, but you'll get all the details because you don't have the link here. So all the details will be sent to you once you sign up. It's tftv.co slash join alpha. I look forward to meeting some new people to connect with some new people. We got some people that did alpha with me and now they're leading and hosting alpha. Um, and so that's kind of cool because now they're hosting as well. So it's just a really cool thing that we're doing. It's a, it's a safe place. That's what we want this to be. And if it doesn't feel safe, I want you to tell me, hey, bro, I don't feel safe here. I don't feel like I can really share my thoughts and, and what I think. I have, I have not heard that from anyone. People have said, people have come in just saying straight up, I hate Christians and I hate Jesus. And we're like, great. We're glad you're here. We want to hear everything. We want to hear all your stories about why you hate Christians and why it's just a safe place. And we're going to wrestle with some really hard questions. All right, guys. So love you all. God bless you. See you at Alpha. See you on Monday. We, we kick off. Uh, we'll also be reading 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, we're beginning to see the shift in the narrative. So see you guys on Monday. Love y'all. God bless.